White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Eckerwall23. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to leave us a voice message, 312-566-8727, or email at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Awesome. Just awesome, Chris. <laughs> what can you say uh, other than we're brought to you by Spotify Green Room? <laughs> our friends, download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked On rooms. You know, there are times where, uh, as White Sox fans, we feel as if nothing good will happen to us after the mm-hmm. things that uh, White Sox fans have endured the past few seasons you know and I'm not trying to say you know the unluckiest fan base in the world because you know we were you know of age to see a World Series title but it certainly seems like the past 15 years or so things were treading uh, downward and this whole beautiful night in you know Dyersville Iowa <laughs> and just perfectly executed by Fox by MLB and it's a great game. White Sox showing out, showing their stars. You got your closer out there doing interviews during the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just, you know, a perfect night for everyone. You think you're going to come away with a victory, and then it gets snatched away from you. And all of a sudden, you you begin to question everything. Like, why did I spend four hours watching a baseball game? And I'm sure those people who, who drove three hours and, and spent – However much they spent on the ticket to, to be there at the Field of Dreams side, I'm sure they questioned why they went there to, to begin with. And you know, it it we were close to having the whole experience ruined <laughs> by uh, sports. Sports happen. Baseball happens. That's baseball, Susan, as uh, John Sterling would say. Um, but then, who else? But number seven comes through in the clutch with the walk off, and what an amazing night! It salvaged. It was almost just one of the worst nights to, to be a White Sox fan because all we were going to sit here and talk about, we have these, these rundowns of the shows drawn up, and I had everything I wanted to say about the broadcast, about Fox's execution of it, about the White Sox showcasing their star talent, you know, the personalities, everything, and then you rip it all up after a ninth-inning home run from Giancarlo Stanton, and then... You're, you're, you're brought back by T.A., and then you can go back to having the show that you thought you were going to do. But that's just sports, man. It's baseball, and what a night, Herb. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. Just what an awesome night overall. I, your thoughts, I don't even know where to begin. I was going to ask you about the broadcast and just the, the overall execution of it, but... I, I just can't stop thinking about that that Tim Anderson home run. It is, I, you know, it's not. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and and get into you know hyperbole here. But in terms of just the moment itself, being the Island game, the first time ever at the site in Iowa, and you have a team trending up, hopefully on a, on its way to a deep postseason run. I, I don't, I don't want to exaggerate when that could be one of the best moments that I can remember as a White Sox fan with that walk-off home run. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's just in the moment right now. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, it's so, like, refreshing. I was, you know, like anybody, crestfallen when I see that ball by Stanton go over the fence. You know, you worked so hard to get that lead, firstly, and to not only give up the lead, but now losing it was tough, but also I remember that this team is very resilient, been through a lot of injuries, been through a lot of comebacks themselves this year. And so I was looking at the lineup. I was like, okay, we got Lurie up. We got the bottom of the order with Sebi up, and then we got Tim. We just need one of them to get on and the other one to hit a home run. I was like, I still got faith. This team is a team of destiny, I believe. All the things that's gone wrong this year, they've come out on the other side clean. 
And so when Sebi goes down 0-2, I started to have a lot of doubts. But then he battled back, and when he got that walk, I was like, okay, here we go. And Timmy just went up with, like, a confidence. I don't know, like, I said it to, it's like he's going to walk it off. Because you put in the atmosphere today, <laughs> you put out a video. It was the Field of Dreams where Kevin Costner is playing catch with his dad. Thank you. Catch with his dad. Thank you. Oh, no, no, you said it right the first time. I'll scrub he that in throw, post. He throws <laughs> plays, the ball playing, playing to catch. his dad. <laughs> and then you put in the Tim Anderson walk-off versus Detroit a couple of years ago. And where Jason Benetti with his great call. Have all the fun you want now, Timmy. Yeah. This game is done. And that's exactly what he did. He did the same type of thing, too. He, like, skipped around the bases, had a great time. I just had a feeling, like, when he came up and he looked as such and he let that ball get deep and he crushed that Zach Britton pitch. Oh, just feels so good. I've watched that ball go over the fence no less than 50 times. (laughs) I'm not exaggerating. I know. Usually I fire up the Zoom and I send Herb the link like during the final inning, uh, but I didn't want to dare mess uh, with with things here. And, you know, it turned out not to matter. Like, so it goes to show you no matter what you do, you tried not to jinx it. And the ninth inning, I would have sent it to Herb in the the top of the ninth. And I didn't do that Uh, in fear of jinxing it. It ends up, you know, getting spoiled anyway. But yeah, man, that, that, that at bat by Sebi there, when he hits that foul ball and he has to, to to huff it down the line there in case it was fair, and it almost was, yeah, I worried about him coming back to the box and refocusing. The legs had to have been gassed after a long day. Remember, these guys were out there you know, uh, having fun and taking you know pictures and, and seeing the sight all day, and he's, he catches a nine-inning game. And then I figured, oh man, he, he may be a little gassed there. Maybe you know mentally he'll take him you know take himself out of the at bat a little bit, and you know. Um, but no, he works that walk and he sets the stage for TA and this team all year. Jason Benetti said during one of those Cleveland series early in the season, uh, you know, I think it was Memorial Day weekend when he said this team's got some magic in them. And ironically, it was after a, a big hit by Adam Eaton, who's not here anymore. And so that, that that magic, you know, it just stays with you and it, and it kind of bounces around from player to player at any given circumstance. And it's just it's it's just awesome, awesome to see. And it is a truly a new day here uh, for for the White Sox. And there was a lot of negativity on my timeline uh, today, uh, you know, after that uh, uh, home run by Stanton. And, you know, I, I didn't want to talk about that tonight. I didn't want to let that bad taste linger and have us talk about why should or should or should not you know Liam Hendricks do interviews during the game and what's wrong with him and how are we going to restructure the bullpen and this and that and granted that's a conversation that can still be had at some point here but not not tonight man we don't have to Mm-mm. and that's what this night was about uh, in Iowa it's just celebrating just the game itself sports happening <laughs> and baseball happening uh, and it happens in the weirdest ways sometimes but just overall an amazing night and I'm glad we don't have to uh, end it in you know in a way where it's where it's so negative we'll we'll get to all the fun stuff here uh, I want to play for you guys Len Casper's call uh, who did a great job there, and I want to talk to her about the uh, the broadcast itself. Now we can finally gather ourselves and recollect. But uh, this was basically in, uh, a postseason preview, maybe not necessarily the opponent, although stranger things have happened with teams uh, getting hot and stuff like that. But I think before the season began, we all thought the Yankees would be a team that would uh, the Sox would meet in October. But in terms of what the White Sox did on the field last night, there was a lot of uh, you know, preview of of, a, of an ALCS because you had Liam, uh, you had Lance Lynn out there starting the game. You had big bullpen work there, and you had the power uh, explosion by, of course, the likely heroes like Sebi Zavala. You know, um, so but this is one of those games where you kind of saw it all on, on full display. Didn't quite work out the way you wanted it to with Hendricks there, and we'll get to that. But an amazing night for the White Sox. So let, let's take it back a little bit uh, before we, you know, continue to dwell on the on the micro. Let's talk about the macro. Uh, there was a news item here that did come out of this ball game. Adam Eaton mm-hmm. came out of the game. Excuse me, Adam Engel came out of the game and was replaced by Leary Garcia uh, late. And the White Sox say he has right groin tightness and he is day to day. And it did seem like he was uh, not quite himself when he scored from first base. 
uh, on uh, on that double earlier on in the ball game, and I thought maybe I was just you know uh, you know thinking things and you know not knowing what I'm talking about, and you know it could be very well that there was nothing wrong with him there. But a few innings later, he was eventually removed, so that'll be uh, a big loss for the Sox if uh, he's out for an extended period of time right there because he's been playing great, and he's one of the reasons why you have uh, been able to sustain injuries from the other guys because when you have a solid depth guy like uh, Adam Engel, it certainly uh, improves your chances there. But uh, we hope he's back in the lineup on Saturday because the Sox are off today, a weird Friday off day here. So let's take it back, Herb. First of all, the uniforms, I'm sporting one right now. Uh, I've got, of course, the number seven on my back. Uh, mm. You know, that's the guy I chose. Choice, that's Yeah, that's the guy I chose to, to, to be on my back for this uh, – throwback jersey here these jerseys are gorgeous man i hope they can mm-hmm. find a way to work them in full time yeah like i said there's not a better uniform in the majors even including the white Sox current one which i love than the one they wore today it is just gorgeous yeah and the authentics look legit like in, in real life and just it, they just really popped on television like we had seen them before in photos and I wore one to today, even to work, you know. And you know, you, you you get used to them, but then you see them pop on on television, and you know, you see you know big bastard Lancelin wearing it, and you see Craig Kimbrell, who just like you know, once the sun set, and you know, it really truly looked like the movie again out there, and Craig Kimbrell's out there Kimbrelling and all that stuff. Like these uniforms are just awesome, and Liam, I think Liam Hendricks even mentioned it to Joe Buck. Like I hope they find a way to work these in full time, maybe on Sundays. Or maybe just once, once in a while, randomly, they'll 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 throw them out there. But yeah, it was those are great. I hope they're here to stay. Um, let's talk about the game presentation a little bit here. And you know, how did you think of the overall execution? Wherever you want to take it here, the, just the 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 idea and the way it was played out to fruition by baseball and by Fox. Uh, the players loving it. Like you know, what was your overall, uh, I guess, grade or you know, how did you feel about the overall experience here for the Field of Dreams game? You know me, I'm not a big-time, mushy, uh, pomp and circumstance type of guy, but I think they did a good job, a pretty good, great job bringing Kevin Costner back, coming out of the corn, the same thing with the players. I didn't see him throw a first pitch to Dwyer Brown, who was there. I saw him on the intentional talk. That would have been the only gripe I had about the presentation. It just looked like they were setting it up for everything. They played clips from the original movie, uh, had... Of course, Costner over there for uh, any and a half of uh, talking good stories. Who doesn't like hearing from Kevin Costner? (laughs) Joe Buck, I'm a big-time fan of, and John Smoltz brings a a level of uh, professionalism and Hall of Fame credentials that you can't deny. It was a good broadcast. I don't think, you know, you have that same Matt Vaskirjian, Alex Rodriguez, like, backlash when you're talking about a national broadcast. This is more of a guy where I think most White Sox fans – for the most part, enjoy Joe Buck's uh, commentary and his uh, play-by-play action. Yeah, this I think this broadcast was executed to a T. I, I you know I've worked many Fox broadcasts for football, um, just second to none. Worked with with the with the A team on Fox for an NFL Sunday. The way they treat their people is first class. The way they handle their business first class. So well organized and so forward thinking. They they find the best people and they pay them accordingly. And you saw a lot of that on, on display tonight. There were a couple blips with with the audio and tech stuff, but I have to imagine it's not an easy thing to orchestrate when you're at a site. Not for the first time because we know they go out there and scout, but it's, this is not something that they're they're that they have facilities set up there permanently where they can just plug and play. Like this is a lot of moving parts here and a lot of moving camera people and moving parabolic people. I saw they had parabolic mics uh, on the foul lines. That was pretty cool. But the technical aspect was just awesome. The two Megalodon cameras uh, were were a great addition to this broadcast. And the Megalodon cameras were the ones that you see the players up close. It really allows you to feel like you're on the field there with them. My favorite shot aesthetically uh, throughout the course of the evening was early on when they had that shot of Lance Lynn. This was right around uh, dusk. Lance Lynn over his left shoulder, second base side. He's on the mound, and in the background they had the original Field of Dreams house. And that was one of the coolest shots I saw. So beyond the corn, you see the home there as the sun starts to go down. Just an awesome, awesome moment there aesthetically for television. Like this is what it was all about, seeing stuff like that, making us feel like that we were there. It was absolutely stunning. And I had no regrets once the game started about not going there because you didn't feel like you missed anything with that broadcast. They, they, They had everything covered and they made you truly feel like you were there, which is what they want to accomplish. That drone shot 
where they mm-hmm. where they go through the original Field of Dreams house and they they, nice. they take you upstairs, then downstairs, then out. Very well executed. Like they 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 spared no expense here with this broadcast, and and as a Fox crew is one to do, they executed it perfectly. So tip of the cap to Fox. And you heard Joe Buck on that final call. I talked about it. I think on the show yesterday when we had the whole you know, Jason Benetti thing. And, and I said, why I like Joe Buck. And a lot of people kind of hate on him a little bit, especially Chicago fans. Cause you know, they feel like Joe Buck is always rooting against them, but all the other people in all the other cities say the same thing. So he must be doing something right. Right. So you heard him on that final call, which we'll play in a second, but it's just Anderson at ball's gone and the White Sox win. And for about a minute straight, just lets the picture tell the story. Like that was just awesome. Doesn't try to make himself part of the moment at all. And I just, it was a really well done job by by fox by baseball by all the tech people and and by the white Sox on the field which we will get to man but uh this this has to be a thing where they they do it every year i know david ross let sort of let it slip that the cubs are going to be a part of it next year maybe that kid in the wrigleyville jersey can show up there <laughs> and root for the cubs that we saw uh and maybe you can you know reverse the roles and maybe a south side jersey kid can go there and root on the the, uh, the cubs or whatever but they definitely have to bring it back Herb, what do you think um, I'm not a fan of that. I understand why they want to do that. Yeah. But this game, it's a classic. Like, there's not going to be a game that's going to be this good leading coming after this one. I know that they want to do it because it's such a spectacle. It was a it was the standalone. Everybody on my Twitter timeline, for the most part, was talking about this game. So they're going to do it again. And I think the White Sox should be the 100% every time team, but they're not going to do that. I know. The White Sox are probably not going to come back for like 10 to 12 years now. They should but, because they're part of the movie. Like, that's yes, how exactly. I feel. Like, like, like you, otherwise you lose some of the connection with the movie, and obviously you're going to water it down if you do it every year, and that's just natural. It happens. It's part of, you know, the state of corporate America and anything you can package and sell. But, yeah, I agree. The Sox should be part of it every year, but they won't. But then that's okay. Yeah, but if they do bring it back, I don't want it to just to be, hey, let's get like David Ross, let the cat out of the bag, the Cubs, and then some other big draw. This is a White Sox movie, specifically. The Yankees are a draw, and you can, they're an old school team, and the White Sox did play the Yankees in 1919. Cool. But don't just do this thing just to bring in big time names. If the Cubs are in it next year, bring the Cubs Sox. It's our game. This is our game now. So we've we've established it. Tim has driven the stake into the Yankees' heart tonight. This game is a White Sox game. I'll be pissed when it does happen and when it is announced that it's going to be a Cubs versus the Brewers or Cubs-Cardinals next year. That's going to be crap for me. But, you know, this standard has been set. Next year when they play that crappy game and it's garbage and all eyes are somewhere else, I'm going to say I told you so. This is the only way. Close this thing down or let the White Sox play in it every year. All right, so let's talk about the game itself. You know, I feel like this game is going to stand alone uh, as a moment in time here, and there is going to be some something very cool about the White Sox being uh, part of the, the first game ever here. And the way they won it certainly will, will go down in history. You're going to see it forever uh, on baseball highlight reels. You know, you, you have the two – you know, very iconic teams in terms of baseball history. The Sox, not a rich history, obviously, is the Yankees, but, you know, these two teams of, you know, charter franchises in, uh, and Ben Johnson's American League. Uh, so let's get to the game itself. You know, we saw some of the things that we're hoping to see in the postseason as far as the, the, the lockdown bullpen uh, up until the very end, obviously, but uh, and the power was certainly there. Uh, but let's start with Lance Lynn. Why break form? We, we begin with the man on the mound. Lance Lynn goes five innings, four hits, four runs. They were all earned. He walked two, struck out seven. Uh, not your typical Lance Lynn outing that you would have wanted, not the one that you've seen so far this year. Um, you know, what did you make of Lance Lynn last night, Herb? I think Lance Lynn and everybody in this game, pitchers mostly, are slaves to the hard hit ball last night. It's a wind tunnel or something because, yeah, there were some balls hit hard and, you know, some of those would have been gone in any major league stadium, but it seemed like some of those hits, it, it, it didn't seem like he was missing pitches. Like the one that John Carl Stanton, I think, hit, no, Judge hit to right field on him. That's a home run anywhere. But then later on in the, in the game when Gardner hits a home run, I'm like, 
that's a double. I was literally just like, okay, that's a double. And then it goes off of the fence. I'm like, this is a trash ballpark, but it's, it is what it is. It's out in the out in the open. So there's not a lot of wind resistance. So whatever the wind is, it's true. There's no buildings around there to get a wind tunnel or anything like that. So um, in a regular major league stadium, I'm thinking he's given up three runs there in that game. That's a double by Gardner. And he gets out of that inning. He ran out of gas in the sixth inning and Miguel Cairo was, was wise to see at 105 pitches that he was done and bring in um, um, Michael Kopech. So, I think overall, if I had to give him a grade, it'll be like a B B minus. Those are tough. Those are tough guys. I mean, Aaron Judge, Gallo, Stanton. It's a tough lineup to go through every time. And uh, I think he did pretty well for the most part. Not his best outing, but pretty well. Yeah, it's it. This is what you can't do against the Yankees. You can't issue the free pass ahead of the big boppers, which they did more than once this evening. It got them into trouble, and, and you, you just can't have those runners on base. You can't put them in a spot to hit the three-run homer. Lance Lynn was not sharp early, and ultimately that that's what led to his early exit, I think, racked up too many pitches in the first couple innings, and you know that, that was sort of the, that's the story for him. But, yeah, I think and you're that's right. that's kind of like a theme with him, too. When he struggles early in the first couple innings, he has to leave. Like, remember early in the year, he was just like, five and dive, maybe six, and then it was gone. In the middle of this uh, season, he's been more consistent in getting quick outs early in the game. So, yeah, I think he's reverted back to that form, but it's also a different game, so I'll give him a break on this one. Yeah, everything was a little bit weird. Everyone, I, I think you saw a lot of that with, the, with, uh, with Hendricks, and we'll get to him, but, you know, just – Guys being a little jacked up, combined with the atmosphere involved, uh, you know, like as you mentioned, there, there, there's a, there's a lot going on here. But you you mentioned Miguel Cairo did a nice job uh, in filling in for Tony Larusa. He that was a good move there, going to Kopech when he did. Not only going to him, but eventually uh, yanking him when he did. I thought that was, that was a good move. He he knew what was going on there, but Kopech coming in and uh, and bailing out Lance Lynn there in the in the sixth inning just. Awesome, awesome work there. He gets the ground out to Stanton, and then he gets Voigt and Odor striking out. Just electric stuff from this kid, and you could tell from pitch one that it was going to be one of the good Michael Kopech outings. It was just awesome job by the kid in a big spot, and he was really fired up. It showed both on the post, on the uh, the positive end and the negative spectrum how fired up he was. But I'll take it. The kid's a competitor, and he showed out last night, man. Yeah, um, I'm a big time fan. Um, that pitch, though, man. Some of the worst umpiring, umpiring I've ever seen in a big league ball game, especially you consider the circumstances. I sound like mm-hmm. Hawk here, you know, at the Dwayne Wise catch. <laughs> Under the circumstances, some of the worst umpiring I've ever seen in my 38 years of baseball. Uh, so, yeah, it was bad. Home plate like umpire was atrocious. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Pat Holberg usually is solid, really solid umpire. I don't know what happened. Like, he was that ball, and they did it on the stat cast. It hit the outside corner. A hundred percent. And you know, Michael Kopech, that raising of arms and shrugging is like, what the hell's going on? That's a thing where he knew it was a strike. Sebi knew it was a strike. The batter knew it was a strike. (laughs) And so you get that type of reaction out of Michael Kopech. You should know as an umpire, I effed up. Now, Courtney called it out right when it happens. Like he's going to walk him. He is going to walk him. He's too amped up. He's talking too much. And, of course, he overthrew the next pitch, went really high and inside. So, yeah, he needs to understand, like, yeah, it's understandable to get mad at that pitch. But that pitch is over now. Let's go to the next pitch, execute it, and get the guy out. And he did not do that. I say it all the time. Losers dwell on bad breaks and setbacks. Champions overcome them. It's tough. Umps are going to give you bad calls. And they're not trying to do this. But you have to always overcome, and that's what they did with with uh, the next uh, who was that who came in after that bummer Aaron Bummer who yeah. helped him out get out of that inning. And man, are we seeing the Aaron Bummer return of 2019? Is man. that guy? Here again, 2018, 2019, 2020, Aaron Bummer coming back? I hope so. We talked about it uh, earlier this week, and you know this is just the symptomatic of the, of the team. Everyone picking up from the, the guy that they're taking over from, you know, passing the baton to the next guy, and it's not always – high level to high level sometimes it's picking up your teammate like like you know Kopech did for Lynn and then Bummer does for Kopech 
and then TA does for everyone and the whole team and Liam Hendricks. So this is stuff that this is not surprising for this team. But again, getting back to Miguel Cairo there, having Bummer ready to go there, Bummer pitching around Aaron Judge, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then getting the matchup for Gallo, uh, which is what he wanted clearly, and they're able to get the force out there to end the threat. Uh, and then things were just, uh, you know. It was a roller coaster ride from that point on because then Kimbrel comes in and Kimbrel uh, has a you know a pretty good inning there. He's a victim too of that bad strike zone a bit, um, you know. But he gets the ground out, walk, strikeout, strikeout, and that's pretty much it. And it was a relatively you know uh, uneventful inning there for Craig Kimbrel. And then of course uh, Liam Hendricks comes in, and it was pretty evident there early on that he was jacked up. And I thought it was going to be the opposite. I don't know if this was maybe nerves. Like you don't see this from Liam Hendrick often. Be, Liam Hendricks often because when he was warming up there in the bullpen before the inning, I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, he doesn't look too jacked up. He looks a little too calm. But maybe it was like you know the it was the, the quiet storm in there was was brewing. You know what I mean? Maybe he was overcompensating and trying to really calm himself down because he wasn't walking out of there like a crazy man, which is like you know we're we're most comfortable when he's out there like a lunatic. There was none of that, but that fastball was was being overthrown high in the zone. And he did break off a couple of nice uh, sliders there, but the, the the one that he hung there, uh, and, and good job by Stan just going around and getting it. You know, it's after the home run to, to from uh, from Judge, obviously not a great outing for Liam Hendricks. And I, I don't know how concerned you are going forward here. If we just chalk this up to odd night, national stage, and a park you're never going to play in again when it matters. Uh, and when the games really mean something, I do, you know, I don't know what you make of that outing there from from Liam Hendricks. Um, yeah, he didn't look like the guy that was possessed the other day. Where he said himself, he needs to be agitated. He needs to be aggravated. He needs to be amped up, hitting himself on the butt to get himself going, yelling at himself. Yep. Didn't see that guy today, and I don't know. Like I said, the atmosphere might have been different. The pre-appearance uh, interview he does with Joe Buck and uh, John Smoltz. Did, did you think he was kind of calm? Yeah, he was really calm during that. Yeah, really like, calm. Quiet, um, like almost like whispering. You know what I mean? Like it and, was weird to me. And I don't, you know, I'm not blaming them. They're no, doing no, no. as much as they can do. And he can say no. He should have said no. I don't like my athletes to have... Before they even, like, if they're in performance, cool, do it. Tim Anderson giving Mike, hey, Tim, how you doing, man? It's all great. He's on the bench cheering his teammates. Yeah, give, giving, you, giving you nothing when he's mic'd up like every other player in the history of players. Like, hey, go, no, no, yo, yo, yo. Like, you're, okay, yeah. great. Thanks for the mic'd up. We hate it when managers get mic'd up in the game because we're worried they're going to be distracted. Yeah, I just want him to concentrate on his game. Like, it's, it, you don't need to do the pre the pre uh, appearance interview. We got you, bro. We heard good. Get somebody who's not pitching today. Giolito's not pitching. Talk to him. Talk to talk <laughs> yeah. to Rodon. I'm sure he's there. Talk to other people who are interesting. That man is needed, and he didn't have his mindset. And you know how my feelings on him and Kimbrel and what way they should be. Yeah, I don't know if this is gonna sway opinions of maybe maybe Cats, Cairo, or Tony Larusa. But I think the best situations are when he's pitching multiple innings or can pitch in multiple innings. I'm talking Liam Hendricks. And then Craig Kimbrell is the closer because he is the better of the closers on the team. And he is the only guy who is like locked in to the closer role. He's only been a closer in his whole career. And when he's not been a closer or when he's coming in non-save situations, he's not as good as he is when he's the closer. Yeah, and I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here in terms of that eighth and ninth inning dynamic. I don't know if Miguel Cairo doesn't want to rock the boat because Tony had been doing it a certain way. And then for, if Miguel Cairo came out there, it's like, you know what? I'm going to do it this other way. And then all of a sudden, like that gives us fodder. And like, you know, Tony's got to come back to those questions. But I think Tony knows what we all know. I think when it matters the most, we talked about it. The most efficient way to do this thing is just flip flopping those two guys, you know, and. Having Liam, I don't mind Liam coming in for two innings if he's all you know amped up and crazy in a good way. Like have him come in in the seventh and eighth in a postseason game. Hopefully you won't need the two, but have him come in during the eighth, like when when things are tight, and then have Kimbrel close it out. I think that's what it's going to be. I believe you feel the same way. Ultimately, when it matters the most, um, you know, I think that's what it's going to be. It just it just makes sense that way. And again, it 
it's no knock on Liam Hendricks despite his poor performance last night. But Kimbrell, you know, he's he's a future Hall of Famer, and you know he has no problem with those emotions of the ninth. So it, it just it's different. Plus, they had a, a pretty decent sized lead there uh, for Hendricks. You know, so yeah, I think that's the way it'll shake out in the postseason. I think you'll see uh, Hendricks and then Kimbrell there. But ball go far, team go far. We'll talk about the offense on display last night at Field of Dreams next here on Locked On White Sox. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Little health and fitness update here. I am down 24 pounds. I'm so close to hitting that 25 pound mark, and it's all thanks to Built Bar. Well, not all of it, but without Built Bars, how would I ever be able to have delicious, healthy snacks that prevent me from falling off and having stuff like cookies and cake, stuff that's bad for you, loaded with sugar. But with Built Bar, I have a healthy option here. I even take them on vacation. They're so great. And they've got a new flavor out now, Rocky Road. It's got marshmallow and almond. They're on BuiltBar.com now, but you got to act fast. Sign up for the email and text alerts like I did so you don't miss these new flavors when they drop. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com, they've got some great flavors up there. Along with Rocky Road, you've got orange, strawberry, coconut, mint brownie, salted caramel, raspberry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, and even cherry barcia. All great flavors. I was able to snatch up German chocolate with my last order. I still got a few of those left. I'm kind of hoarding them, but they're one of my favorites as well. And Built Bars, as you know, always packed with protein, 17 grams of protein in most, and only 130 to 180 calories, depending on the bar you get. But best of all, only four and a half grams of sugar. How amazing is that? It's all the great taste, but without the guilt. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can get yourself a free gift. And right now, when you go to Built.com, you can use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Talk about this offense. Uh, a hmm. big night. Every hit seemed to be huge. Um, eight hits by the White Sox in their 9-8 victory over the Yankees. And, of course, you know, you're always wondering, like, who's going to be the first guy uh, with the corn shot, so to speak? And it's uh, no one more perfect to do so than the captain. That is shot into left field. Back at the wall. It is gone. And the first home run in MLB history in Iowa belongs to Jose Abreu. And there's going to be a mad dash in the cornfield to try to figure out where that ball went. So they, yeah, he's got it. And that's phenomenal. And that ball went over the wall and then went up one of those rows of corn beyond the wall and left. And then it was a mad dash. That was a huge moment there for the Sox in this game, I think, because you know, you, you knew Lance Lynn wasn't going to be incredibly sharp if the first inning was any indicator in the top half. And then Jose does a nice job there uh, coming back 0-2 and uh, making White Sox history right there. I thought that was so appropriate. When you think about two scoring plays here to start and end the game, you got Pito and T.A. Uh, it doesn't go down any more perfect than that. Exactly. And it wouldn't have been more perfect if – anybody else hit the home run on the White Sox. He's the guy. He's the White Sox guy who's been here during crap times as Jose Abreu. And now he's the reigning MVP, not having as great of a season, but we said it. This is August. It's time for him to ascend to the next level, and he's doing that. I think he's hit five home runs in his last, like, eight games. He's coming up. He's doing the job, and he rocketed that ball. I didn't know if it was going to get out because, you know, I didn't know that conditions but once i saw that get out i was like okay it's gonna be a real game tonight it's gonna be a real lively game and he crushed that ball i mean i don't know like what it is about him and andrew heaney he just sees him right i think he has four hits and they're all home runs against him i was texting with our buddy carl our mutual yankee fan friend carl and he was telling me how alarmed he was about andrew heaney's fly ball rate and so you combine that with we said, you know, this this is the Sox team that's going to mash against lefties. And that was just right there for the taking there for the White Sox getting to the and hopefully the, now the whole world after the 2020 MVP, hopefully now the whole world knows uh, who Albert Abreu is. Ethan Katz and Albert Abreu. Um, Joe Buck did a really nice job, but that was weird. I don't know what happened there. Uh, it was Dylan Cease. So it, I, I have no idea what he was thinking. Sometimes your brain just fires off uh, 
synapses and just you say things that totally don't make any sense. We're going to have him on uh, Parkinson Spiegel hopefully today, and uh, maybe he'll comment on what the hell is going on in his mind at that moment there. Um, but maybe not because he's gracious enough to join us here. Uh, but getting to the next uh, <laughs> scoring opportunity here for the White Sox. So, you know, at, at this point it's 3-1. Judge comes back with the big home run there, the three-run shot. You know, you can't do that against the Yankees. You can't allow that to happen. Uh, T.A. doubles, making it 3-2. to two. And then guess who comes up? This guy is just an animal. Definitely likes to get his arms extended. Two on, two out. And here's one down the right field line. At the wall, it is gone. And right on cue, Jimenez goes the opposite way. A three-run shot, and the White Sox are back on top. This kid is such a difference maker, man, especially in games like this where if your starting pitcher is not you know, operating at, at max efficiency and you need the long ball and you need to get back in the mix and score runs quickly, Eloy Jimenez can help do that in the middle of the lineup, and he's so important to what this team does in terms of energy, in terms of just the power production. And, it, and you know, that ball was jumping out of the ballpark all night long, yes, but that was a huge moment in that game. Sox taking a 5-3 to three lead at that point, but – this kid, man, if you if you can stay on the field and stay healthy, he is going to be crucial to this team come October. Indeed, and I think last year Stoney said that once you see Eloy hitting the ball to right field, watch out. He's going to go on a tear, and we've seen it. He's Since he's come back, he's hitting the ball over the fence all the time. We saw the couple home runs he hit in Minnesota in that one game, and then the one before that. Uh, two home run games, consecutive games. And then this one was would have been a home run in any stadium. He is just seeing the ball really well, saw a high outside fastball. He's like, I'm going to take it where it's pitched and murdered that ball. And now I'm looking at the progression. What's going to happen next? They're going to be trying to jam him inside. And Aloy's just that good of a hitter. Pull the hands in, get the barrel to the ball, and hit the ball out. He almost hit another one out to straight center. <laughs> yeah, I think st- center field might be the dead area because of that that uh, barn they have in the yeah the batter the, the batter's it's eye. It functions as a batter's eye, but it's a big piece of wood that's shaped like a barn, and I'd imagine it just it, nothing is allowed to carry there at that point. That's a good it point. seemed like he crushed that one too, and I thought that he thought he got that. Too. Yeah, he absolutely did. He's hit enough of them in dead center. He hits you know hit him at target field where it's mm-hmm. an extraordinarily hard to get it out dead center, and he hit like the awning up there, so he knows when he got one. And we should we saw a couple of balls just <laughs> die in center field, uh, even the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, Louis Robert was chased back there to center field too. Yeah, Lou Bob had one too. I think later in the game where we thought maybe he got it out there. Um, so Yankees, you know, uh, before they get back in the game here, the Sox look to add some insurance, and of course, you know, this is how exactly how we drew it up: Sevi Zavala uh, with Kevin Costner on the call. <laughs> Here's Zavala flying one into right, back at the wall, it is gone. Wow, this stadium is working perfectly. <laughs> Two-run shot into right. If you're a hitter. <laughs> and it's 7-3 to three White Sox here in the fourth. So, yeah, of course, if you would have told me uh, even just, uh, you know, six months ago, like, yeah, you know, uh, Kevin Costner will be on the call and Sebi Zavala will have a big home run in the Field of Dreams game. I'd be like, what? Yeah, what are you talking about right now? Um, but Sebi just did a nice job there, man. We talked about his walk in the ninth inning earlier. But, you know, he's doing everything you need him to do, despite he's had some shaky defensive moments earlier on this week. But uh, if he just continues to hit a little bit, it's it's not even close in terms of him versus Zach Collins, I think. Like, he's the, 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 the fact to do that to, in that moment right there, that was huge and a big insurance run there at the time for the White Sox and a big moment for Sebi there. Who was, I love seeing that smile as he's rounding third base too. That was just one of the cool moments that you see uh, from this game that, that I'll always remember. Yeah, and when he hit that, I was like, all right, game over. The White Sox <laughs> have done all they can. Good home run. They hit a uh, judge. Good job hitting a three-run home run for the Yankees, but this game's over. we got a 7-3 to three lead. Wrap this shit up. All right. And Sebi Zavala <laughs> is now our backup. I mean, I know I said it before, but there's no way Zach Collins, and you could see what's happening right now. Sebi's getting the lion's share of the starts here with these pitching with these pitchers. And he's producing with the bat more than I ever thought he would in the major leagues because he's been a career minor leaguer that has been really poor with the bat. And that last at bat, too, I was so pissed at him because of 
taking two fastballs, Zach Britton sinkers just right down the middle. And I was like, come on, Sebi, for you to have some success and the White Sox have some success, you got to see and be it on the first or second pitch because otherwise it's going to bear a back foot slider on you and you're not going to be able to hit it. But he did a great job to get the walk eventually. So, yeah, Sebi has been much better than I ever imagined. If this was Zach Collins, I'll be having discussions of like, wow, in three or four years, maybe Zach Collins can take over for Yasmani Grandal. Now, I'm not that too far on Zebby because yeah. this is a short sample size. Yep. But I like what I'm seeing from the kid. And when it comes back and Yasmani is on a rehab assignment, when he comes back, I'm saying Sebi's the guy and we're picking Zach Collins back to AAA. I, I like the at bat there. I know it was frustrating late laying off those fastballs, but you know he's thinking like a catcher. But he's also got uh, you know an all star on, on the other side of him uh, facing him down on the mound. He probably thought, you know what, I can't go up there hacking on first pitch because he's going to throw me a sinker and it's going to be a terrible at bat if I ground out on the first pitch. So I think that's maybe what was going through his mind, but it all worked out in the end. So the Yankees claw back into this thing, uh, setting up the, uh, the the ninth inning here, which was just an absolute just roller coaster ride here. It was a, it was a disaster uh, at some points here. Top nine, the goddamn walks, Herb. You know, mm. yes, there was the, the leadoff single to, to begin the inning, but then you, you have the walk, which sets up, uh, you know, the, the Aaron Judge uh, three-run shot there in, um, excuse me, the, uh, the two-run shot from Judge. You can't do, you, you can't issue the free pass you can't lose focus and get a runner on base there you can't you know, I'm, I'm confusing the two at bats here where they were Liam had a chance to recalibrate yeah. and he still he did those things again after which is really enforces the point why you can't do this so you get the judge home run the two run shot there at seven to six and then all of a sudden free pass base hit and all of a sudden now you have John Carlos Stanton coming up here and he always scary always looks dangerous up there and uh here's what it sounded like from John Sterling's perspective uh on the Yankees broadcast and Hendricks deals swung on and hit in the air to deep left that ball is high that is far it is gone into the cornstalks to give the Yankees a lead what a comeback judge a three-run home run Stanton a two-run home run. It is a Stantonian blast. Giancarlo. No see quotes to Barlow. He hits a two-run home run, and the Yankees, dead in the water, now have an 8-7 lead. And three-run home run? Come on. Yeah, I mean. Uh, both two-run home runs. Um, yeah, so on the Yankees' Twitter account, it said Giancarlo. <laughs> you understand? You, do you get it? Yeah, I got it. Okay. And 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 to to underscore your point about Liam Hendricks today and the White Sox in general, the Yankees had eight runs. Seven of them were driven in with two outs. Just you can't do that. Two out RBIs are backbreakers. They'll get you into heaven though if you're on the other side. <laughs> if you get them, that's what they say, you know, but it's really frustrating when you're when you're giving them up there. But it, of course, it sets the state. You know what? This is a perfect time here. Should we pivot to the voicemails and see what our peeps were saying when all oh, this yeah. all this oh, when <laughs> that happened? Oh my god, my phone was going crazy when right. So, we're in the world now before Tim Anderson walks it off. This is from the 773 following the Stanton home run. One word. Embarrassing. Next one from the six two three. One word, shit show. <laughs> that's, 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 two. that's two words. Um, but in all fairness, the AI Jake Lamb too. Yeah, the AI here spelled it as one word, shit show. Uh, so that's fine. Um, here's another one here, seven oh eight. Hey, Tanning Herb, it's Joe from Champagne. Uh, did I miss all the dogs in the field? Because there sure was a lot of dog shit behind the plate. <laughs> That's just about the umpiring, which is fine. Um, <laughs> oh, look who's coming in. All the stars are out tonight. Look who's checking in from the land down under. Hey, guys, this is Liam Hendricks. I'm part in the clubhouse. We had such a great win tonight. Oh, man, I was so, so bummed. Hold on, I can barely hear. i got to move to the other room. I was so bummed when I uh, blew it a little bit in that ninth inning. Didn't quite have my best stuff. Thank you very much there. Uh, Liam, we appreciate you checking in from the clubhouse. That was very big of you. Uh, so let's talk about this 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 bottom half of the ninth inning there. I, you know, we talked about the big at-bats, setting it up. 
the man you want up there at the plate, the guy who, you know, you could say what you want about Moncada and pieces that the rebuild was centered around, but the rebuild isn't able to accelerate. It, it isn't able to really come to fruition if Tim Anderson sucks. And he is has become the face of the franchise. He's one of the faces of baseball. He's the reason why you can watch this team and you could see Fernando Tatis Jr. on the West Coast and not feel too bad about it because you've got one of your guys there, one of your homegrown guys at shortstop, who's a great representation of the team, uh, of the franchise, great in the community, and he's the face of it, and he can put it all on his shoulders and hit leadoff, which is another thing that's incredibly hard to do, and then come up in a big moment like he did last night uh, to deliver this. Here's Joe Buck. Ethan Katz and Albert Abreu. That's not the same one. Herb. That's a different one. Here's Joe Buck. Anderson. Hits it in the air right. Back at the wall. And the White Sox win. Outstanding, understated call. T.A. in the moment. Doing T.A. things. The, the, the confidence strut. No need to flip the bat. It's a little bit passe. I, you know, Tim hasn't flipped the bat since that Detroit game. Didn't have to do it. Why do it now? Just the quiet strut, the, the the quiet walk to first base. That's that's all he needed there. And what a moment for T.A., what a moment for the White Sox, and what a way to end an awesome night in Iowa. Yeah, pretty much saying it's over the whole time walking down. I think the MLB had a mic on him and had mic'd up for that part where he's like, it's over, it's <laughs> over. He's got his hands by his neck and he's like jangling his fingers. It's over. <laughs> Love the joy that he has going around first and seeing the dejection of the Yankees because they have a uh, shot, shot from the White Sox dugout of Tim just doing the it's over thing and the Yankees just looking at him. Yeah, <laughs> just walking off the mound. They ought to Tim be, man. They ought to be. Immediately knew that was gone. He's they, like, and it was. It was a drive. It would have been gone in any major league ballpark. He I, crushed that ball. I leapt. I leapt up off the couch. I'm there with my daughter. You know, I, I cherish these nights because she doesn't start school for a couple of weeks, and I should be. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like the Michael Kopech plan. I should be slowly uh, building her back to going to bed at an earlier time. But she was there with me, enjoying the game, watching it. And so I just leapt up off the couch, and she's there watching videos on her tablet, saying, "What? What happened, Daddy?" And I just the White Sox won on a home run, and she's like, "Oh!" And then back to videos. Uh, but I was just like on ten, uh, walking around the house, just like saying, "I can't believe that happened." You're just you're you've just now, are now starting to come to terms with like, "Oh my God, they're gonna blow that game." Uh, then all of a sudden, Tim, you know, he brings us all off the deck here and salvages it. Here's uh, Len Casper's call. Everyone told me that you got to check out Len's call. There's no way I would have missed it, uh, but we bring it here for you. This is uh, Len Casper and Darren Jackson on the White Sox Radio Network. And they are set up for two. Whole new Yankee infield here in the ninth inning. Short lead by Sebi. The pitch is hit in the air. Deep to right. That ball is gone. White Sox win. The Field of Dreams! 9-8 the final! Light it up! Can you believe it? It was meant to be first game ever in Iowa. That's the best game ever played in Iowa. Absolutely, and a single teardrop going down whenever DJ says light it up there is a tribute to the late great Ed Farmer. Uh, what uh, you got today. the shirt? It was just meant to be right now. Um, what what was uh, what what would take me to your place and uh, what what happened there when that uh, that ball uh, bounced off uh, that ball jumped off of TA's bat there? What was going through your mind and uh, what was your reaction in the moment? All right, the setup is it's Courtney and I on the couch, and then Ziggy, our dog, is, like, by our bed. So he's outside of our bedroom laying down, going to sleep, kind of, getting the rest in. And so we're kind of anticipating a Timmy walk-off. Courtney has her hand on my shoulder. She's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. She's anticipating it's going out. And then once it is hit, I'm like, let's go just yelling let's fucking go and the dog wakes up and starts rushing towards me and he's like what the hell's going on and he's just like looking around like i was like i'm sorry all right, all right, it's cool and i just keep on cheering i'm doing it right now and i can hear my dog like hit the door of this uh of the room i'm in so he's like reenacting that because i'm doing the thing 
Calm down, Ziggy. We're good. <laughs> but yeah, that's it, it, I freaked out. I'm sure somebody in my building heard me because oh. I was loud. Oh, loud excited. That's what it's I'm about. I'm sure they know too. They're probably watching too. <laughs> yeah, I don't you, care if the Cubs or Sox fans. They they had to feel that electricity tonight. It's one of the few nights where you, uh, most people are watching. You, the White Sox were on center stage there on the Island game, and they were able to come through and provide an, an exciting moment that we'll never forget as a White Sox fan. So you, we we move on. We put it behind us. Can you believe that jerk Ranji? He says on Twitter that he left early. Yes. And I, I suspect that that's true because during the ninth inning before the Sox even came up, I saw a photo pop up on my, I think it was Instagram timeline of, of Chris Ranji. Uh, he had, you know, Kevin Costner's like, oh, I was sitting right next to Kevin Costner, but it was from far away and he had a circle around Kevin Costner. And I was like, I bet you it's tough to, I didn't see many pictures during that game from people that I know were there. Uh, a lot of them were after the fact, way after. So I think it might have been a bad sell area there. So mm-hmm. that led me to believe that Ranji, once he was out of uh, range of the ballpark and was able to to get some better cell signal, he, he posted that photo. So I believe that he left early. What a jerk <laughs> our guy Ranji I is. mean, he gave an excuse that he has to be up early and it's a four-hour drive and an hour of getting out of that parking lot, blah, 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 blah. You paid that much money already? I'm chilling. If I paid... Anything over a hundred dollars for a ticket, I'm chilling to that game is over, over, and then staying for a little bit extra. Because if we're gonna be in a parking lot forever, what the hell am I rushing to get there? So yeah, I don't know. You made the choice to get there. Why wouldn't you experience it as it was meant to be? And also, it was a one run game. What do you? What, when did he leave? When it was a four run game? Or did he leave it when the Yankees took over? Come on, Raj. Garbage. <laughs> should, should I call him? You should. I don't. Know. I don't have the setup to. But you know, this will be very crude here. I don't have the setup to route it through the phone just yet. But I should. Uh, actually, you know, maybe we can call them through the old, uh, the old uh, Locked On Sox voicemail three one two five six six eight seven two seven. That's three one two five six six eight seven two seven. You know what? Let's get. Let's give him a call here. See. See if. See if it works. See if he'll actually pick up for us. We'll take a quick time out, and on the other side, maybe we'll talk to Chris Ranji next and see why he left early. That's next here on Locked On White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC. MMA action. You guys know me. I've talked about this many times before. I love going to bet online and checking out some of the futures bets they have, but not just for sports. The Emmys are coming up in September, just about a month away here, and you can place a bet on who's going to win best comedy series. Right now, Ted Lasso is your favorite and minus 1500. Other shows on here. Man, I really haven't seen a lot of these shows. I've heard a lot of great things about Hacks. I'm going to be checking that out. But you can place a bet on whatever your favorite show is, Cobra Kai. If you got some dark horse picks here like Emily in Paris at plus 3,300, you can place your bet at Bet Online. What about Best Drama Series? The Crown, odds-on favorite at minus 1,200. How about The Handmaid's Tale, Bridgerton, Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country, This Is Us. These are all things you could bet on for the 2021 Emmys. And yes, if you're asking, you can still bet on who's going to be the first celebrity abducted by aliens. <laughs> right now, Elon Musk is actually the odds on favorite at plus 1400. Donald Trump coming in at plus 1600 and Joe Rogan also at plus 1600. So you can place your bet there for who will be first to be abducted by aliens at Bet Online. Great stuff going on there. So before the first pitch or whatever it is you're going to bet on, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget our promo code, Locked On at Bet Online. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by a new friend. It's our friends at Wild Alaskan. We all know we should be eating more fish to get our omega-3s and protein, but the seafood counter can be intimidating at times. 
Which fish tastes the best? What type of cut? Can you really be sure about the quality? Well, Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of buying wild-caught seafood. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. Choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination. And every month, there are different specials to explore. Each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. That really sounds delicious, especially this summer. Throw some salmon on the grill. Folks, there's nothing better, I'm telling you. Wild Alaskan Company seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership at any time, and they offer 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Get your nutrition from nature with Wild Alaskan Company. And right now, for our Locked on White Sox listeners, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit Wild Alaskan Company. MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off of your first box. All right, time to give our friend Chris Ranji a call. Hello? Hi, is this Chris Ranji? Hey, this is the Locked on White Sox podcast. Uh, Chris Tannehill and Herb Lawrence. Uh-huh. Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Hey, um, are you are you recording right now? We are, we are recording. We, we are recording right now. So yeah. I have to I have to tell you that legally, uh, we don't plan on keeping you long here. But uh, you left early, friends. What's what's going on there? Well, uh, <laughs> if I didn't if I didn't have to fucking work tomorrow and drive to Chicago tonight. Sorry, uh, I would have stayed, but my my plan was to only go for like six innings and then get out of there because the uh, parking situation is a nightmare, and it's only a nightmare. It's it's not their fault. I mean, it's like there's one road into the place and one road out. So, like when I got there at uh, I got I got into town. I got into Dyersville at three forty five, and it's only like two miles off the highway. Like when you get into town to get to the field, but it took an hour and 15 minutes to get to the field off the highway. So I was like, all right. And I, and I got there early and I'm like, all right, it's going to be a madhouse getting out of here. So I was just going to stay for like six innings and go. Cause it's like, it's like four hours to Chicago and I got to be up in the morning and fuck. <laughs> Yeah, man. So, like, because I had all these, I, like, this was a total last-minute trip for me. Like, I wasn't going to go, and then I got offered a ticket, and I was like, all right. So, I drove up the five hours from St. Louis. Five hours in, like, five hours, 25 minutes, I think, total. Um, I drove up, and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do that. I'll stay for as long as I can, and then I'll book it to Chicago because I got to get up in the morning, and... Uh, yeah, but I like I had a, if I didn't have to work, I had a, a few people who offered just like, hey, you could stay at the hotel with us. I'm sure. I'm sure you did. Stay. I'm sure you did, Ron. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like that. Was that Kevin Costner? Uh, said that? <laughs> no, like because I think most people are staying in like the Buke or something or Ugh. Cedar Ramp Falls, whatever, some Cedar Town. And you know, I could have done that, but I. Gotta be in Chicago in the morning, so I couldn't do it. Oh, so am I gonna see you? Is Herb and I gonna see you uh, tomorrow morning? All right, what are you doing? Are you doing BetQL tomorrow? What's going on? Yeah, so I I, I really don't know. Like I don't. <laughs> I, I think I I don't know, but I couldn't. Uh, I I'll probably do it wherever I'm staying. I guess. I don't really know how it works. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't know. I don't know the deal. Yeah, clearly, um, you, you had a plan and you stuck to it, and you don't really know where you're where you're going or where you're supposed to be. But that's about right. It's, I just, I yeah, and I just, I just know I need to be wherever I'm going to be in the morning <laughs> and stay there. Like I know that, and I I wasn't going to be able to do it in Iowa. Like my original plan, I was hoping, just because I I know. Uh, you know, the family that owns the place. And I was like, that would be really cool if I could do that show from there tomorrow. But I mean, it's, it's a, still going to be like 
a bit of a madhouse and a pain in the ass for them, so I'm not doing it. So I have to drive to Chicago tonight. Oh, you got a place to stay, Ranji? Did stay I lose you? Oh, do you? Oh, can you not hear Herb? Oh, can you hear me? No, I can't. Oh, oh it's a mixed, mi- mixed minus thing. Problems on your end, Ranj. All right, buddy. I love you. Um, I, I'd, I'd stay with you here the, the full four-hour drive to keep you company here, but uh, we we got to finish our our program here. Um, but, All right, yeah. Go go back and do your thing. How was it, though? Overall, Sounded good on the radio, though. Oh, Len's call was was awesome, DJ. We just played it right now with the lighted up. Uh, overall experience, yes, yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I thought all the pregame stuff, you know, it was it was dramatic, but I thought it was fun. I I thought the whole thing was was really neat. All right, buddy. I'll uh, see you. I love you. Herb loves you, and uh, we'll talk to you. All right. Goodbye. All right. Safe travels, buddy. Hey, Randy. I know he can't hear me. Yeah, sorry. He should have heard. though, all that time. What the fuck, Yeah, man? well, that's that. going to be in our ass. Well, he's uh, <laughs> he's going to be, uh, he's getting used to that BetQL stuff where he can just, you know, uh, say whatever he likes here. So, well, yeah, that, that's... not too much because those people are on re- regular radio stations now. So <laughs> that's right. They, they didn't, <laughs> that's... they didn't came up, champ. <laughs> that's right. He better clean it up. All right, so that's our buddy Chris Ranji. Uh, you can catch him on the BetQL network, you know, former pre and post game host and one of our dear friends, and he left the game early. Um, so as we look ahead here, wrapping up the show, uh, you know, f- got to finish this series with the Yankees. Sox have the off day tonight. I think I'm going to head out to the ballpark on Saturday with my family for the first time. You are going to go unwind on Myrtle Beach time. Uh, so mm-hmm. I hope you have a great weekend there. But uh, we shall reconvene. And uh, we're, as we wrap it up here, we'll do the recap on Monday of the weekend, as we always do. And then. Uh, on Tuesday's show, for our 300th episode, we decided Ooh. to break form a little bit and get out there and uh, do something different. So we are going to Bishi Beer, which is in Logan Square on Milwaukee Avenue, where our guy, Andrew Mason, who is uh, one of the, 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 the head brewers there, um, he has a couple of new White Sox beers on tap. As a matter of fact, if you get the jump on this and you go to Bishi Beer, it's B-I-X-I. It's how, how you spell it if you're looking it up. If you go to Bishi Beer on Chicago's north side, uh, he tack, tapped a couple of White Sox-themed beers, and you may be uh, able to get to try it before we do, but we're going to go there on Monday night and tape. Uh, they are not open Monday night, but we're, he opened it up for us. Uh, so we, we will talk to Andrew and talk about these new beers, and, and we'll wet our whistles a little bit and, uh, and talk about uh, you know baseball and beer with another uh, beer guest so we, we like talking to people who can hook, hook us up with beer I, I sense a theme here so that's going to be for our 300th episode we'll talk to my guy Andrew from Bishi Beer so uh, that's all I got uh, I'm about emotionally exhausted my voice is going here but what a fun night man very fun that is Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill me Herb Lawrence Ecknerwall 23 and our show is at Locked on Socks thank you for joining us this was an awesome night I'm going to go back and look at that Tim home run from every angle, like at least a hundred more times before I go to sleep and on the plane tomorrow to uh, Myrtle beach. So thank you for joining us on locked on socks.